the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson. Come to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us in the chat. Lots of listener, live viewer interaction as we are going to be firing up the college football trade machine. That's right. But Elliot is going to have some trades to propose that we will vote on. You, the listeners, have already submitted some of your trade proposals. I have seen Kirk Ferentz for a Keurig as a trade proposal. Uh, I've seen uh, so many options. We're going to get into the very best of them coming up in just a little bit. But first, uh, a little bit of news, some, some noteworthy things from across the college football world. First, <laughs> The CBS Sports has released its mid-season All-America team this week to much fanfare, and I just wanted to at least throw it out there. Uh, Bud, do you vote in this one? I do not. Okay. Tom and I have ballots, so we might be able to defend or, you know, take all the heat, you know, like the meme of, like, standing in front of all the flaming arrows. Like, we we can take all the heat for what the voting body has done. Danny, uh, do you have a vote in this one? I do not. You just get to be a hater too. Okay, yeah. cool. So CJ Stroud is our quarterback. Who with, voted on this anyway? Huh? So CJ Stroud's our quarterback. Uh, no unanimous offensive picks, which obviously means that I would assume Hendon Hooker uh, received a little bit of love as a QB1 in this. Two Ohio State wide receivers, Emeka Buka, Marvin Harrison Jr., both making the list. Defense is where you see the only unanimous selection. Will Anderson from Alabama. Uh, other notable ones, Drew Sanders from Arkansas, Clark Phillips from Utah, uh, Chris Smith from Georgia. Christopher Dunn from NC State is our kicker. Tory Taylor from Iowa is our punter. The, the list right there on CBSSports.com if you want to go check it out. Any uh, notable omissions or players that you were happy to see got the honors? I mean, Stroud makes sense. So yeah. I, I, I think like that was. I, I saw some other teams that had had Hooker on there, and I just, I, I think Stroud has been better. Um, really? Yeah. Yes. Oh, but yeah. you have to consider the competition, don't you? 
I mean, there's been one game with a good defense, right? Like the and, and honestly, that'd Notre be Dame's more defense than, has been just be more as good than, as Alabama's this year, right? Yeah, for the most part. Pretty good. So like I don't know. I, I CJ Stroud has is tied for the lead the nation in touchdowns despite playing one fewer game than Drake May, who he's tied with. And he's done all of this without Jackson Smith and Jigba all season long. Like I understand that Hendon Hooker just had a great game against Alabama, but it should have been unanimous. Wow. I'm shocked at that. I mean, Cedric Tillman hasn't played a whole bunch either for Tennessee. True. Very Did true. Did he make it? No. no. But he oh, said, okay. you know, Stroud doesn't have JSN. Hooker doesn't have Tillman. But I don't know. I just think if you look at you all the are, overall numbers, Stroud is better than Hooker. You guys are stat horse. Okay. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> it's all right. That's Here's what you want. It's true. I am. I, I lay down in nude <laughs> every night, but like, hate me like one of My thought is just Stroud was like the Heisman front runner coming in, has done absolutely nothing to not warrant still being it, to still be the All American. It's just, I feel like Hooker is kind of like a, he, since he's exceeding expectations, that's making us diminish what Stroud's done. Put it that way. I had Stroud. Um, I had Blake Corum on my ballot. I had Chase Brown on my ballot. We didn't get to do like second team votes, but as much as I was out here beating the drum for Brock Bowers, Michael Mayer not getting the tight end nod, I would say was a little bit disappointing. Oh, I had Bowers. I might. Really? Yeah, I, I think Bowers is a lot better than Mayer. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I I think Mayer is good, but he's I don't know, man. He's he's big, but I don't like uh, athleticism wise. I'm not sure I see like the the NFL draft hype that some of these folks see in it could be wrong. Well, that, yeah, I, I, when I approach my ballot, I'm not going off NFL draft hype. I'm trying to no, say I, like, that's fair. Just no. based on what you are, have done so far this season, not just like projectables. How would you draft them? That kind of thing. Yeah, like, I'm not trying to disparage mayor. He's a very good player. It's just, I think Bowers is a better player who's more versatile and used in a lot more interesting, different ways. And I think mayor his numbers, and again, this isn't a knock on him. This is a credit to him. His numbers are kind of based on the fact that Notre Dame has absolutely nothing else on offense. MVP is what I hear you're saying right there. You know, no, Notre Dame for sure. Yeah, you take take, take him off in He's, that offense. Crush that Irish offense. He is the one thing that just sticks out. It's like, all right, I could work with that. Everything else, you're kind of like, eh, the offensive line is okay, but not much else there. The only real snubs that that I I would say on this, like there's two guys, they are both G5, but I feel like they are better than some of the guys who who got put on the team. Uh, Ivan Pace at Cincinnati. Yes. It's just insane. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like like he's going to be drafted higher than all, not than than Will Anderson, but then these other two guys, I think. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I mean, he is just freaky, freaky. And it's like crazy athleticism and production is is there. Uh I know he missed two games with injury, but Carlton Marshall is just you can like I, I, this is what it would look like, I think, if you put like like a Jack Campbell in, in the Sun Belt, right? Just 19 tackles a game, do, like completely taken over Dom. Like w- watch that West Kentucky game that when when Troy went up there and beat Western. It that's just a different level kid playing at, at that level. I, those are really the only two. I think it's a really, really well done team. I did not have Jack Campbell on my list. He's a good yeah. player. But name you know, recognition. Yeah, I mean, preseason on a preseason list, I think I might have had him, but um, so far, nothing, uh, nothing else of note. I will uh, say, Chase Brown made the team. I voted for him as well. But the fact that Illinois' defense doesn't have a single person on this team is ridiculous. 
I had um, whatchamacallit, I had Witherspoon on my ballot. I had him on mine. I also had Jershon Newton, Johnny Newton, the defensive end, and I also had Kendall Smith, the safety. I mean, if Alabama or Georgia's defense are putting up the numbers that the Illinois defense is, half the team are Alabama Georgia players. Our uh, midseason awards are going live today, probably pretty soon. Hey, I got Bielema for coach of the year. Let's go. It is. It's funny. Like one person voted for Bielema of all the voters, and it wasn't me. It was Chip. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Had to had to turn in that blurb uh, last night. Okay. Uh, CBSSports.com is where you can check that out. And as I mentioned, uh, roll the midseason uh, sort of honors awards will continue. Our midseason Heisman, midseason Coach of the Year, our second chance expert picks to be able to do the college football playoff projections. Top four plus first two out. CBSSports.com is where you can find out all of that. Okay. So you know. Just to like pivot away from the the season at hand, a little bit of a view into the future because we do have some more college football playoff expansion meetings coming up in the near future. And the one topic that especially coming out of this past weekend that has become a, a hot topic of conversation among college football fans and will be one of the items that is debated in the upcoming meetings is what to do with these first round games because there is a push from within the bowl season industry, an official letter sent to conference commissioners by bowl season executive director, Nick Carparelli, encouraging the conference leaders to play those first round games at bowl sites instead of on campus venues. What they argue probably to me that stands out as the best argument is logistics that they have places where these teams can practice. They have hotels that are used to being able to host all the fans and being able to be that kind of, you know, infrastructure that can hold an event that we are expecting these first round games to be. Uh, They also have warm weather climates. I don't think that's as big of a deal. And they also claim to have a neutral um, environment, which again, I kind of thought the home field advantage was one of the interesting things about the first round, but after we saw some of the the scenes in Knoxville, after we saw the scenes in Salt Lake City, you know, after we saw what home field can be um, over this past weekend, I think it did bring a new spotlight. I know Dan Wetzel had a column over at Yahoo Sports it's diving into that why this should be a big takeaway for conference commissioners. As the those commissioners begin to discuss the future of the college football playoff, do you foresee the bowl season industry being able to pry these first round games away from on campus sites. No. <laughs> do you, you don't think no way. Good? No, I do not. No. Like so I man, here's the thing. Like some of these ADs make like a million bucks now. You know, like the 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 days of being able to grease these guys with hey, here's a free golf trip to Arizona or like hey man, like like go take your family to the Bahamas. I'm not saying you still can't try that, but it's it's a different world back when it, when ADs used to make like 200 you know, and that was a much, much bigger deal, you know, to get something that's worth, worth a couple grand. When you're making that million range, it's harder to buy somebody off. And now, like, these schools make so much money. They have fans to keep happy. They have boosters to keep happy. Wouldn't you want another home game? Just for a pure revenue standpoint, the home game is what you want because you're going to make more money on it. And it, it's also an advantage for your team. Like, this is why we keep playing hard throughout the year, even if we have the playoff thing locked up. You want to get the seating. You want to get home field. I, I think not only will they not get the first round games at the Bulls, I think there's some chance that the quality of games we had this weekend at Utah, at Tennessee, at TCU, with all those, those field stormings, I think there's some shot we actually get get all of this stuff except for the championship game eventually 
on home fields because they don't need the bowls. What, 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 why do we need these guys? Just because you're greasing them? Stop it. Like, you're making so much money now. Logistics? What? They might, you need logistics every week? You, you play like seven home games a year. I don't, I don't want to burst your bubble. They might not be bulls, but they'll be neutral sites. I don't know. Big Ten basketball. Wait, you think the first round games will be neutral sites? Yeah. Big Ten mm-hmm. basketball media days don't get nearly the attention that football media days do. But did you hear Kevin Warren's comments last week? Kevin Warren was talking about, he was bringing up, because the, they were talking about the college football playoff. And he was mentioning about how they're trying to figure out the logistics for like a Big Ten team. If they have to host a first round game, they're looking for neutral site venues that are closer because they're concerned about playing in the weather in December in a lot of these Big Ten campuses. They're worried about fans having to sit outside for these games. They want to play them like if if Minnesota were to host a playoff game, they would move it to the Viking Stadium. If the, you know they would try to play it, if Chicago, if the Bears build a new stadium in Arlington Heights with a roof, they will try to play Northwestern Illinois games, whatever, in that stadium. They want to play in the Big Ten's footprint, but they want to play indoors. Why? You, you, Do you really believe that they're going to play first round games not at campuses? What Kevin Warren was saying that he's the commissioner of the conference. He actually has influence on what's going to happen. So I hate it, but I'm telling you right now. They're more concerned about the product than they are the game. As long as they get to the playoff, they're not going to care about like it pisses me off to no end because the one thing the Big Ten has always actually had an advantage in if they did this late in the season is the weather. Teams from the South having to come up and play in 30 degrees and snow. They're not going to enjoy it. It's going to suck. It's never fun for us either. We're just used to it. Can somebody can can somebody talk some sense into him about how foolish that would be? Because you're exactly right. I mean, what if we always said, well, what if you know teams in the southeastern portion of the country had to travel up north and play in the cold in the same type of conditions that they do? Doesn't he understand that could be a potential advantage to help you advance to the next level? Probably like, does. That, that to me is that that makes me wonder if there's another reason. If he's just giving some excuses, exactly the money, the TV networks, revenue at an indoor. I don't think the TV networks want it there. They would I, love I, the outdoor. I think, I think they may, would love maybe the atmosphere. Maybe he's paying a bunch of extra money or something. Uh, you know what? Maybe Tom's right. Maybe they will start out like this. I am pretty sure this will not last long term because your fans are not going to want to travel to three neutral site games. And if you make all this stuff neutral site and it kills home field advantage, it will diminish some of these November games, whereas they will have significant value and and like above and beyond entertainment value. Like The teams will care more if you are actually securing home field advantage. Maybe Tom's right. Maybe this is actually how they'll start it out. That is long, why long were, term it won't happen. That's why they were very careful to point out when they first put out this proposal of the first round games. They were like on campus or at agreed upon neutral site. If it's a, if it's a, I'm skeptical still, but if it's a Michigan playing in Detroit, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But you're indoors. I know, but at least you have to travel yeah, up there. I I travel. But, right. But but I do think you point out something because if they do the neutral sites all the way through, I mean, how many times have we heard Clemson, Bama, Florida State fans even back in the day when they went to the Rose Bowl, like, yeah, well, just they just, you know, Florida State was just coming off a championship. Do we really want to spend for two trips? Let's wait and see if we can make the final. Then we'll unload the boat for that one. That's where you get a little bit tricky. And Bud's right. Like, that's when you'll start to see some of the attendance numbers drop because people will just wait and see if you make their next round rather than going some you know, neutral site, you know, garbage game, you know, that's just going to be out, whatever. Like fans want to be in their home. They want to make noise at their own stadium. And I think we should applaud them and encourage that because that's what does make the sport great. NFL is a better product at a neutral site. Yeah. Part of what makes college so special is that home field, uh, is that collegiate atmosphere. Like if you played like last year's championship game, 
cool, exciting game. Not as good as the NFL games that weekend, right? I mean, like, like it's just it's sterile. It doesn't feel right. I, I ideally, I think that the earliest you should play a neutral site game in the playoff is the semis, and even then, I would probably just wait to the title game because I mean that's what the NFL does. And if you're trying so hard to be the NFL, they all play their games at home until the Super Bowl. So, you do you think that the and this is like I'm 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 afraid that I'm stepping way out of line here, but do, do it. You, do you think that ESPN owning all of these bowl games changes the idea like you don't need to grease the wheels because the network partner who's like heavily involved with the college football playoff is also owning these bowl games like has ownership stake like it's not quite the um old world where these different places like the way that espn has bought up bowls like slowly but surely over the last 10 years does give them interest in trying to raise the level of those bowl games but to counter sorry tom go ahead no, I was going to say, if you force places to bid on the ability to host games, that's generating revenue. So ESPN will say goodbye to some of the bowls if it has to, fill them with other content. But as far as the college football playoff is concerned, if we can increase the revenue for us and for the schools, that's what they're probably going to do. Yeah, like most of these bowl games that ESPN owns that that are, are just pure like business ventures that are, are created out of whole cloth are there because it makes a little bit more financial sense for ESPN to put on a bowl game than it does to show a replay of sailing or, or run NFL Live yet one more time. But it's not the owner, like they own the it's a different company. ESPN events owns sure. the bowl itself, and then ESPN contracts ESPN events to be able to pay the media rights to show it on television. Right. But like like for instance, do you think ESPN really cares if, if it's a home site game or played in the Orange Bowl? Like for the big ones, I don't think it really does quite as much. Maybe it does. Like Citrus Bowl, you know. Like a lot Citrus. of these exist for inventory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, just to have inventory when, when you're home from work or working a half day over the Christmas season. Psh, who works a half day in December? Not us. <laughs> Everybody, another, another, find me when we're doing like – podcast every single day in December and I'm just looking out my window like the Spongebob meme watching all the families and children running up and down the street. So sorry to my family for all of that. Uh, All right. One last thing uh, before we hit the break and get the trade machine fired up. Tom, have you found out what have you decided what your Twitter tip of the day is going to be because we've got football here on Wednesday is fun belt action Georgia State at App State. The App State was one of the teams of the month, one of the sweetheart stories of September, but a couple of losses since then have left them just three and three. Georgia State got off to a really rough start, have picked up a couple of wins, so not necessarily the Sun Belt East elimination battle that I I expected when we were coming into the season back in August. Do you have any lean on this one? I took the over. I just think that overall, it's two pretty explosive offenses versus two defenses that allow a lot of explosive plays. But I don't really see much of an edge anywhere in this one. Oh, it's App State. It got it got under ten. You go and you fire on that, and uh, and they're playing at home. It's forty four degrees. This is like this is a this is a good excuse to get out there and uh, and party a little bit midweek. Hit up Boone Saloon and you know just make your way around King Street. The the App State that lost to Texas State. Listen, this is this is just different environment again. Right. Wonderful excuse to head down to the rock on a Wednesday night, a weekend in the middle of your week. That's that's all you could ask for. Anybody else got a thought on this one? I, I took some over 56 and 56 and a half. What's it sit at now? 57, 57 and a half? 60. Yeah. 60. Uh, no, I don't want 60. Um, 
Yeah. I, See, I, that's, yeah. Slightly, Danny. I got. I got a question for you guys before we get to the. Do you guys think Jermaine Burton gets suspended or disciplined from the incident that took place after the Tennessee game? There's videos of the female that he came across and kind of, and there looks to be a slap. And there's another one that shows him. It's hard because it's a different angle. You guys see, have you seen the video? Seen any of this. Oh, you I don't haven't. think you will. You don't? No. It's, but at, anytime there's video, it does make me wonder. And it's a female. So I do wonder. I mean, it's it's a bad look for Alabama. It's a bad look for Jermaine Burton. Um, I saw it not from a girl's, but like when you get the field stormed and that, and there's that much craziness and chaos, players just want to get to the locker room and run through. When we got, you know, when I was at Virginia, rushed the field, a couple of offensive linemen running off, like just bulldoze some frat dudes that were running like, ah! and just like clothesline them on the way in. But they generally want to get in. Burton is kind of walking off and it's definitely not incidental contact. Like it's, it's pretty egregious. I just wonder if you guys go check it out and see what you think. I'm pretty well. I'm not pretty sure. My suspicion here is that it's very easy to use the excuse that, like, hey, that's a crazy atmosphere, and you know, like, well, it's against the rules. Blah, 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 blah. That's the problem. Is like, what? Well, she yep. was breaking the rules. All the fans that, breaking. Ba- the first rules. bad actor, un- unclean hands. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, so do you know what my first thought is, Danny? Hmm. Does it matter? Like, has he been that good? No. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's just like, or maybe you just be like, yeah, we're going to suspend him. Like, right. oh, Set no, an example. Jermaine Burton, like, yeah. look at look at this incredible loss for our offense. Yeah, I've been very, um, very much not impressed by what he has brought to this Alabama wide receiver room. Other wide receivers, I would think, would be more impactful, but that's just my opinion. All right, coming up on the other side, we get the trade machine going. What would be the trades that could go through or be proposed if we have a, if we had a midseason trade deadline in college football? We'll get into that and more next. Back here on the Cover Three Podcast, time to get the trade machine fired up. And you know, there's a couple of different ways to attack this. We've got some listener suggestions that we want to get to. If you want to drop one in the live chat right now, we'll go ahead and we'll mark it and be able to circle back by the end of the show. But, Bud, this this was your baby right here. This was your proposal and your idea. So I, I want to let you go ahead and take this, uh, get this started with maybe before each proposal, sort of the mentality that you had about what each team would be looking to get out of it. Sure. Uh, so just some ground rules here. Uh, eventually, we're going to get to a spot where, where players are, are, are paid and they're on contracts, right? And so like, you have to sort of spin reality slightly. I mean, obviously, we already are if we're talking about college football trades. I, I was just kind of jealous that all these other leagues uh, get to talk about the trade deadline, and we don't in college football, at least not during the season. Uh, so no transfer portal on this. You can't just immediately portal out if you get traded somewhere. Uh, so with that, I just thought about where are these teams weak, uh, which of these teams – are maybe in win now mode, kind of go for it mode, and which teams are sort of in let's let's sell off mode. And I uh, have a couple here, and maybe we can discuss uh, why these are terrible or, or great trades, and see what you guys want to vote on them. Um, so I had one that Jordan actually shot down. I was going to trade Drake May to Michigan uh, along with Josh Downs in exchange for them getting into the Big Ten immediately, but uh, he said it's not not really allowed. Uh, but I mean, obviously, if you got that, I think Michigan would be like the odds-on favorite to win the national title. Decline. Uh, you give away your generational quarterback to go finish eighth place in the Big Ten. You know <laughs> what it's like to be able to compete to have the honor of getting beat by Clemson on the first Saturday in December. 
No, you just want to stay. Just stay right where you are. Just stay nice and easy. We'll get that top 25, you know, 23 at the end of the football season. You're competing for a national championship in basketball. The ACC is where North Carolina belongs. All right, fair enough. Also, the biggest loser in that trade would be Drake May. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From Phil Longo's yeah. offense to Jim Also, Mack Brown. Yeah, you'd be got, like, you've got a hell of an arm. You're going to use that to hand off 25 to 30 times a day. <laughs> All right, so let's let's stick with Michigan here. This is one that I actually think could help improve them and help the other team as well. So, or is Jordan dropping in the chat? Uh, okay, never mind. So, I like JJ McCarthy. I have a Heisman ticket on JJ McCarthy. But if you look at this in the two games against good defenses that Michigan's played so far, his yards per attempt numbers have not been very good, and I think he is still a very high level prospect. But I'm not really sure he's somebody who can win you a national title right now. Meanwhile, Stanford is without all four of or four of its five starting offensive linemen. It's down a receiver. It's down Emmett Smith's kid, EJ Smith. Tanner McKee is doing this basically all by himself, and still, uh, in some metrics, has better numbers than JJ McCarthy. He doesn't get to play the lead nearly as much, and. Harbaugh's pretty good with pocket passers. I think McKee is a better passer than McCarthy right now and it's clear to me that Michigan has not had much of a step back on the defensive side of the football their running game is awesome they're just not smooth in the passing game right now McCarthy's late on stuff he's not like hitting guys in stride to allow for yards after the catch this would be a ballsy move because they're super high on McCarthy obviously as as we are as well but if you think you got a shot to go for it and win this year because Bama looks a little bit down you know Georgia doesn't look quite as good as they did last year if you think you can go push around Ohio State and you need somebody to get you over the top, I think it's something you should maybe consider. Thoughts, committee? No. Mm. <clears throat> no, I'm out. I'd rather right. McCarthy. I don't I don't think McKee's that good, to be honest with you. I don't think he's bad. But I mean, if you go like you mentioned, McCarthy struggled against good defenses. Well, against USC, McKee threw one touchdown, two interceptions, averaged six point three per attempt. Against Oregon, he averaged five yards per attempt. Last week against Notre Dame, he averaged seven point six yards per. I mean, it's just, it's not like he's putting up any different kind of numbers than McCarthy. And I think, honestly, again, it's kind of going back to my comments in Drake May. I, I don't always think that it's the quarterback in Michigan's system that is the problem. I just think that they are very much a run heavy team right now, and they're winning with it. And that's just kind of what they're going to go with. What do you think, Danny? I would tend to agree. I don't. JJ McCarthy hasn't been the like explosive playmaker in the past game that I think I thought he was going to be. But I don't know if that's what Harbaugh is even looking for. I think he just wanted a little more athleticism, a little bit more upside, and I think he's getting it. You know, I, I, But I do think like if Michigan, when they get to Ohio State, you're going to have to have some of that explosive pass game. But I don't know if Tanner McKee is the guy that would bring it to you. That's why I kind of like the Drake May idea. Like that's, I had some trades for Drake May. I didn't know they were off the table. I just think he's untradeable because, like, like if you're Mac Brown, you trade Drake May, your career's over. Everybody's right? like, "Oh, I got it, I got a trade." But you I mean, go- like, how long is Mac going to coach? There's no way you trade away a guy that, if he keeps on this pace, could be the number one overall pick. Unless you think you're going to become the AD or something like that and set yourself. Oh, that's kind of why I threw out the crazy get to the Big Ten. I, just, I couldn't figure out a trade for for uh, for Drake that made sense for North Carolina like long term. And his Harbaugh, family's huge Tar Heels. Harbaugh loves McCarthy. Yeah. 
Also, yeah, I mean, clearly to unseat the guy that got you, you know, past Ohio State and brought you to the playoffs and to say, see ya, even though I think we all saw the writing on the wall and thought it was probably the right move. I mean, he clearly likes him. They had uh, Charles Woodson talking to Jim Harbaugh before the Penn State game. And Jim Harbaugh starts explaining. It's like, well, what, what do you like about him? Why do you say that he reminds you of a young Jimmy Harbaugh? He's like, well, you know, he steps back. Then he sprints over here. Wow. doesn't see anything. He spins around, sprints over here. And as he's describing it, they went back for the piece and they showed exact like side by side of McCarthy scrambling around and Harbaugh scrambling around. I mean, it's I think I think Harbaugh does see a little bit of young Jimmy in uh, in JJ. I, I don't think that he would want to part ways with uh, with the future of the quarterback position at, at Michigan. Also, I understand like the difference in personnel, but McCarthy passing efficiency way higher than McKee's completion rate way higher than McKee's yards per attempt a full yard higher uh, yards per drop back nearly a yard and a half higher air yards nearly a yard and a half higher. It's just it's McCarthy's better than McKee. I, I don't think he is, but I, I understand the stats say I just think that Stanford's roster is is garbage. I mean, they're down four of their five starters on the offensive line. They have nothing at receiver. I think it's one of the worst rosters in the power five. I think you put McCarthy there and you swap him. I, I think I think McKees would have much better numbers in, in, in Michigan's offense than McCarthy does personally. But I mean, we'll see it. Also, like if you look at McCarthy's stuff, this is one of the reasons why I propose this. He has such big numbers in those first three games. We were talking like 14, 18 yards per attempt type stuff. But he's under seven in two of their four power five games already. And when they bog down in the red zone, a lot of that I think is him not being on time with some of his throws. So we'll see when they, when they play some of his better teams. I, I, I get the veto, though. Jordan thought this would be vetoed, too, and he, he was right. Jordan is the smartest of all of us. So, <laughs> All right. What else you got? All right. Georgia and Iowa State. So we see Ooh. this in baseball. We see this in NBA. You, <laughs> oh, got, I, you got a team I, that is tanking. I need to see what Iowa State players going to crack the Georgia rotation here. <laughs> I, I think there's actually two uh, who, who really, really could. And I think Georgia this year sees that Bama is down a little bit. Uh, what, what a what – a, a, a coup would be to stick it to Nick Saban and beat the tide and have Nick Saban go over with Bryce Young as far as national titles as his quarterback, right? And like, I'm not saying it's Nick Saban's last best shot to win a national title, but I think it's common sense that this was one of their best rosters they're going to have, unless one of these quarterbacks they have on the roster ends up being really, really good. Ohio State might be really great, but other than that, I mean, if Georgia gets some guys here, they could really submit themselves as the clear number one team in the country, but they're going to have to give up a lot. So Iowa, Georgia needs a pass rusher in the worst way, right? Nolan Smith's probably their best pass rusher right now. He's just okay. Uh, and they kind of need somebody who's a stud at receiver. And Iowa State's entire offense is this guy named Xavier Hutchinson. He gets like 16 targets a game. He's a pretty good player. They also have Will McDonald, who's one of the best pass rushers in the country. Georgia, for you guys who are home, maybe don't know or don't follow these guys, Amarius Mims is – Probably a stud left tackle. He's played really well in, in spots this year. He's, he's their backup because Georgia's offensive line is loaded. And Michael Williams was a top 10 player in the country last year on the defensive line. So Iowa State punts on their season. They almost certainly miss a bowl if they do this, which I think would suck for them. It would kill their bowl streak. But they do get to rebuild around two really nice pieces. Both of Iowa State's tackles this year have terrible grades per PFF. So I looked at their rosters. Okay, where do they need to upgrade? You got another year of control for Marius Mims. You get Michael Williams for two more. And Georgia has big-time upgrades here, I think, as a pass rusher and certainly at receiver as well. And since you guys tell me how good Stetson Bennett is, he's going to take full advantage of Xavier Hutchinson. Now, do I get portal protection on these trades? 
Portal like what now? Yeah, that's what yeah, we said at the start, good, right? Yeah, it, yeah. it can't portal out. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking this trade. I think this is a good yeah, trade for. Him. I agree, and and beefing up an offensive line that makes Matt Campbell happy. Bringing in somebody like I know that we want five star culture, five star hearts, but actual five stars will work too if we want to be able to you know make sure we can continue to run the ball effectively. I I think this is right at the heart of what you're looking for, an Iowa State team that has four losses, but what's combined margin of 14 points? Is that right? Like they yeah, just I mean, continually have been coming up on the wrong end of this. It just ain't your year. I'm sorry. So let's go ahead and make the most of what we can. Let's build for the future within our identity. And then for Georgia, you're 100% right. Pass rush and receiving option. I, I like this a lot. I think this trade goes through. All right. Sweet. I got one. You got it? <laughs> yeah. Perfect. All right. So I got a couple more here. Uh, Alabama, what do they need? They need an explosive receiver. Who's a team out there that needs a lot but has an explosive receiver? Kept a receiver this offseason that people or other collectives were trying to pry away. Oh, BC. Not, not having a great year. I've got Alabama going up to Boston and going to get Zay Flowers. They're going to have to give up a lot, though, because Zay Flowers might be like a first-round pick type receiver legit. I mean, if you guys watch the ACC like we do, you know he gets doubled all the time and still beast modes people. Uh, they're going to get Kobe Prentice, who's a starter for them, but like just a, a quality starter. Elijah Pritchett, who was one of the top offensive tackles last year, and Ty Simpson, their third-string quarterback, but you know, highly rated kid last year, who is promising. Boston College is losing Dracovic most likely this year, so they got a quarterback to replace him. They certainly need offensive line help after all the injuries they've had along the offensive line, and they'll have a pass catcher. So this is a lot to give up, but hey, I mean, if you get a bona fide number one stud who can stretch the field and go deep, like ask Louisville uh, how how facing Zay Flowers was this year. You know that he's. He's a stud. He would immediately be one of the best players in the in the SEC as well. So you give Bama that explosive option, I feel like it's a lot to give up, but this could work. So uh, what I like is that you've given Jeff Halfley a quarterback for the future. Yeah. yeah. Ty Simpson has so much eligibility ahead, and Flowers is almost certainly off to the NFL after this season. I, I like, I mean, Zay might say no. Since apparently the first thing Zay did when he heard these offers was to go to Jeff Halfley's office because that's what kind of guy he is. I'm not making fun of him. It's just that was the story that was repeated over and over uh, around Flowers. So I, I think that's fair. I'll, I'll get I'll give a thumbs up on that one. I think Alabama's paying too much. They could be giving up a freshman receiver, young quarterback, young offensive lineman. I would take. <laughs> I think you got to give up the QB, and if I'm Alabama, I'm not that worried about finding another one. But I don't think I'm giving him Prentice because He's I think sick. that if I get if I take Zay Flowers now, and then he leaves, I'm kind of in the same situation again next year. I think I would give him the I would give him the QB and the OL. I would not give up Prentice, or if I'm giving them a receiver, I mean I would give him Jermaine Burton maybe or one of my other guys. But I, I'm not giving up the freshman because I need somebody to stick around going forward. Didn't you guys know Zay Flowers has a no trade clause in his deal with DC? <laughs> yeah. He's already he's already been offered to leave, and he doesn't want to go anywhere. Although I wonder if he'd want to revisit that. It might depend on what quarterback he was going for, right? <laughs> like Br true. Bryce Young is a little different than I don't know Tyler. Like who knows? Yeah. So, uh, one last one here before Danny bounces. Ohio State and Clemson. This is a blockbuster because these teams Ooh. might have to play each other, but they both have a glut of talent at one position and need some help elsewhere. So I talked to Anna Adams at our 24-7 Sports Clemson site. She said Clemson 
is getting much healthier on the back end. They still need an outside receiver. I know that Ohio State has improved this year on defense, but they could still use that no-doubt stud difference maker on the inside that they so often see when they play those SEC teams in the playoff. So I'm trading two guys who had been kind of banged up this year that are on their way back. I'm shipping Jackson Smith to Jigba to Clemson for Brian Brzee. Mm. Mm. I absolutely adore both of these players. Oh. No, not doing it. Who says who, no? Who says no? Yeah. 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 Who's the no? Dabo does. Dabo. Never give it. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. No Portal, Portal Free Dabo. <laughs> I don't need a receiver. I got I, I, the guys I got in this locker room, the heart, the character we got. That's more than that's more than enough. That's all we need. Listen, what does it say to the men in that locker room if I'm out there trying to get somebody else in there that I don't believe in them? Like, I mean, Ohio State could trade. Clearly, we've seen Ohio State could trade JSN and it would be fine in the Big Ten. Can it trade JSN and be fine in the playoff? Depends on what they get in return, though. Depends on what they get in return. I love Brian Brzee, but is Brian Brzee making enough of a difference in the playoff for you when you come up against No, I don't think so. Or whoever the hell you're going to be playing. I think JSN is a bigger difference maker in those games than Brzee is. And we saw, based on what we just saw from Tennessee and Alabama, would you rather have a receiver who can get open or a defensive tackle? I think it, it depends on where you're deep, though. Like, what, what's the replacement level? But I don't think Ohio you know State's interior line is, like, that big of a problem. Like, I think Brzee would I don't be think it's a problem. Have. Yeah, I just think he's a difference maker for them. Yeah, see, I don't I don't think that that's going to be a huge problem for them. Especially because when I'm playing out. him with Mike Hall, like, that's a nice – yeah, but like when I'm playing Alabama, am I worried about stopping the inside run? Like it's like I, I am actually because with Bama this year they're not explosive. Although if they get say flowers, they might be. But even but so, like, Gibbs is not running between the tackles. It's like I'm not. I don't have to worry about that. Like Georgia, okay, but uh, no, I don't think I don't think it makes a ton of sense for either side. I think it would be an awesome trade. <laughs> like, but I don't think it really makes it that big of a, enough of a difference for either team to risk it. Fair enough. Because if like if if Ibuka or Harrison go down, then you've traded JSN. Now you're kind of thin at receiver. That's yeah, that's true. I mean, you got Fleming, you got a couple of the young guys, but yeah, that's that's fair. So what went what one and a half for four here? Yeah. All right. Do you have a fit? I'll take it. Is that it? No. Uh. Uh-uh. No. I... This is the life of a general manager. Yeah. You come go up with all trades. Ninety percent of them get shut down. <laughs> All right, do we want to start going through? Uh, so we got two more of these listener. Um, uh, yeah. All right, let's 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 see him. <clears throat> Jordan, are you gonna? There we All go. Right, here we go. All right, so we've got uh, Tennessee gets a cornerback from Syracuse, Garrett Williams, beefing up that secondary, while Syracuse gets a wide receiver. Uh, while Syracuse gets a wide receiver from Tennessee, Ramel Keaton. Obviously, the you know Syracuse wide receiving room is nowhere near as deep uh, as what we have at Tennessee, a group that's been incredibly explosive, even with the absence of Cedric Tillman. And Syracuse, still undefeated, uh, now gets a pass-catching ca- option. I think yes? Like, I think Williams is definitely a better player than Keaton is. But if you look at what the the offensive staff did, the Syracuse offensive staff, which was last year's Virginia staff, 
when they had multiple options at receiver who they could mix and match and 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 do all those fun route combos with, I think they might take this. They Syracuse does need a little more explosion on offense and, and a little more just they need one more option, I feel like. But Williams is a damn good corner. Like he's gonna be an NFL guy. So and I'm not really sure Keaton will. First off, I just now discovered that Tennessee has a receiver on the team named Squirrel White. Mm-hmm. Which is very important to know going forward because that changes a lot of things, having a guy named Squirrel White. Uh, as far as this trade, I think i do it if I'm Tennessee. I mean, I think getting a guy like that in my secondary would be huge, even though I've already played Alabama, but I might have to play Alabama again in the SEC championship. And I think that I can't rely on winning 52-49 to 49 again. I might need a stop or two to get through that game. So... I think that's interesting. I think Keaton's a good player, but I also think that you have Squirrel White. So he's going to be a superstar because, again, his name is Squirrel White. But also, just the way that scheme is, like, you've got Jalen Hyatt, you've got Brew McCoy, Cedric Tillman will probably be healthy by that game, at least you'd hope so. Like, I think that Tennessee can afford to lose a receiver and be fine because of the way that offense works. You can find guys to play in it and get open because they, they scheme guys open. So... If I'm Tennessee, I'm definitely doing that. I think Syracuse would be the one, if it gets negated, would be would be the side that has to shut that one down. And I don't know if they would. Yeah, that would be fun. I, the other thing is, like, you might need to load the box more against Georgia. Because mm-hmm. Georgia's offensive line is better than Alabama's, I think. Uh, and so you may need to hold up on one-on-ones on the outside more than you did against the Tide. So. All right, we got one more locked and loaded. Let's see it. Ooh, okay. So Iowa gives away Riley Moss to Texas, and Texas takes Hudson Card and creates all kinds of headaches for Hudson Card as he takes on the leadership of the Iowa offense. Is this a fair trade? Iowa gets Hudson Card, the quarterback from Texas. Texas receives Riley Moss. Texas does this in a heartbeat. There's no reason yeah. for Iowa to do this. Like Texas is getting rid of a guy who won't is going to be transferring at the end of the year in all likelihood anyway, because you know you've got Quinn there and you've got Arch Manning coming in. It's hard to see a path to playing time for Hudson Clark. <laughs> and Riley Moss is a terrific player, but if you're Iowa, like what difference is Hudson Card going to make for Iowa? That's it's not. It's we talked about this pre-show. Spencer Petras is not an excellent quarterback, but the quarterback is not the problem at Iowa. It's the offense. It is designed to look exactly like it looks. You could put Hudson Card back there, and the offense is going to be exactly what you've already seen. Tom, do you know the other reason why Iowa does not do this? Nepotism. Because if you trade for Hudson Card who you've already seen be successful in another system and look good. And he comes in and looks like crap in your system, which he will because you run a crap system. Then your son, Brian Ferentz, you being Kirk Ferentz, the head coach, gets exposed as a terrible hire and doesn't know what he's doing. So the best move for for the Ferentz family to keep cashing checks from Iowa is to not make a quarterback change. That way you can continue to blame the failures on the quarterback. If you bring in a proven quarterback, you're going to expose yourself because like, wait, what? I, oh, um, mm. yeah, I know what to do with it. Do I know what to do with this? I, I thought when you said nepotism, I was like, is Spencer's son like a GA? 
I'm just kind of operating that this is like a grift that they're running on Iowa, like maybe on the pension thing or something. And uh, like, like they can't really be trying to score points. There's no way. All right. Um, here is from the live audience. We got Larson coming in and says, would Alabama trade Will Anderson for Jordan Addison? No. No. Addison's really? been hurt a ton too. Like uh-huh. he's he's hurt again. I was also going to mention that with Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, just what would you be getting? Would you be getting only showing up for the playoff, Jackson Smith and Jigba? Well, I, I think even assuming full health, that's what I've been doing on this. But assuming full health, I'm not. Alabama's not doing this trade. Will Anderson is your defense. Okay. Um, Dustin Black is going to say that uh, Alabama gets Josh Downs and North Carolina receives Byron Young. I just, do you have any confidence North Carolina knows what to do with good defensive players with that co- defensive coaching staff? Because I don't. Oh, you mean don't one of maybe the, I'm wrong? No, listen. When when you've got a conference USA defense, then you can you know put out as as much talent as you want, as long as they're not communicating. Then you can get out there and have a have, have a ball. You know, win as many shootouts as you want. But I mean, my my thing is, but Byron Young's a senior, right? Yeah. Is it like this is his last year of eligibility? If I'm giving up Josh Downs for a defensive lineman, do I want to do that for six games? Well, Downs like, is going to be gone too. He this is his third year, so he'll be in yeah, the NFL draft at the end of the season. Isn't that like trading my receiver for a defensive lineman? Is that a net positive for North Carolina if I'm only getting him for seven games? Well, I mean, I would say of note <clears throat> this week, Ray Vahasik, the a veteran defensive tackle, ruled out for the season with an injury. Now they're going to have to really lean on. Oh, no. So their defense is going to stink now? Well, so there's all these names that North Carolina fans have celebrated as recruiting wins. You know, Travis, uh, wait, which, sorry, Keyshawn Silver and Travis Hunter, right? No, am I right? What's the defensive lineman from Greensboro? I'm sorry. I'll, I'll pull it. I've got a lot. talking about. Yeah, but they're going to have to lean on some, you know, big recruiting wins that are going to be young pups out there to take over with losing the most experienced interior defensive lineman. Um, so I guess that would be the, uh, the 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 big pull right there. Um, let's see. Actually, inspired by one of the comments I just saw, Mitchell Vaholic mentions OSU receiving Michael Mayer. How about instead of Michael Mayer going to Ohio State, Michael Mayer goes to Texas for Hudson Card? Because now Notre Dame is upgrading at quarterback, at least for this the rest of the year in the future. And Texas's offense is adding one more juggernaut in the passing game to help it maybe win the Big 12 and get to the playoff with two losses. Travis Shaw was the name I was going for right there. You could run some fun stuff. You had Michael Mayer and Jatavian Sanders as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you imagine that Texas yeah. offense with all those dudes now? All right, Illinois. No. Would you trade Devin Witherspoon, one of your best secondary players, for Jordan Addison? No. Would you trade him for a healthy receiver? I wouldn't trade him for Jordan Addison if he's healthy. Okay. Witherspoon is completely locking down one side of the field. Part of the reason that defense is working is because they play so much man, and Witherspoon has been fantastic in it, taking guys out of plays. No. You take him out, the defense suffers for it. All right. Oh, what we got there? Richard suggests Corey Foreman... From USC for Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State. Penn State. So I guess you're trying to address Penn State's pass rush. And for next year, too, because I'm doing Porter, Porter's a junior, right? Yeah, but he's he's going to the NFL. I'm yeah. doing this. 
and Foreman's a sophomore. So you get a year of control of Foreman. Yeah, if I'm Penn State, I'm doing this in a heartbeat. Because that is a problem right now for Penn State. Mm-hmm. Does USC do it? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, this is definitely a win-now move for USC. But if you're Lincoln Riley and it's like, hey, anything that happens this year is kind of just, you know, awesome. We're, we're planning for year two and year three. Do you make this move? Do you know what I would need? I would need the medicals on Eric Gentry to know, like, how hurt he is. Because he got re- – he got – looked like he got banged pretty good in that Utah game. And Eric Gentry – on field, off field, the splits for USC with him are pretty drastic. He he's a game changer. The way they play some Tampa two stuff with him, that, that their other guys cannot play. So if he's healthy, maybe it makes sense for USC to go in a win now trade. If he's not healthy, I don't think Joey Porter helps your defense enough for you to win the conference. Like the team you're going to play in the championship game will drop fifty on you. Mm-hmm. Mm. What about you might drop fifty on them though? So. What about uh, Jake Garcia, backup quarterback for Miami, goes to Missouri. Missouri trades away five-star wide receiver Luther Burden. Missouri's not doing that, are they? Is Garcia an up like a definitive upgrade to the point that you give away not only the most explosive playmaker on offense, but also on special teams? I think just pure talent-wise, this is not a terrible trade. Probably. However... Think about it. The, the Alpha Nerd, there's a lot of like local momentum that was created and staked upon getting Luther Burden. And if you trade him away, it's sort of like Mac Brown trading away Drake May. It's just what are we doing here? Doesn't make sense to give away the guy that like like that's sort of the that's the chip you have that not to trade away, but just kind of hang your hat on. Hey, we got Luther Burden. We're going to recruit locally. We're, we're going to recruit on an SEC level. Also, if even if you remove all that from the the trade discussion, like Mizzou's going to give up another two and a half seasons of Luther Burden for Jake Garcia, who I like. But what is Jake Garcia doing for Mizzou? Like, is Mizzou now a contender in the East? No, it's probably still the fourth best team in the division at best. Yeah, at, at best. If Miami really wants a receiver, and it's clear they do, like they need receivers in, in the worst way, uh, they might want to try to sneak in and tell uh, tell Tennessee that you can have uh, Mesador and Tyreek Stevenson for like a Jalen Hyatt or somebody or, or whoever Tennessee's best young receiver is. Cause Miami, you know, trying to try to punt on this season, obviously any receiver who can get separation, Miami will be interested in. Yeah. I mean, it's like every, everyone is asking for Miami to go get a wide receiver and everyone's asking for Brendan Armstrong to be liberated. I mean, it's amazing what the uh, what the audience, live audience right now is calling for. Um, and Miami does have, as Ray mentions in the chat, uh, a good amount of defensive talent that they can lean on to be able to uh, to get there. And this one gave me some LOLs. Uh, Jason asks, NC State trades Tim Beck, offensive coordinator, and Jack Chambers, current quarterback, to Texas for Hudson Card and the pole assassin. The monkey can do what Beck has done this year. Cold-blooded, Jason. But it made me laugh. Uh, what about this one? Hamilton says, Georgia trades defensive back Keely Ringo to Ohio State for one of their endless elite receivers. No. I don't think Georgia's going to give up Ringo. No. Um, Too important to what they do kind of argument? Yeah, I think so. Also. Ohio State doesn't need – Ohio State can win the Big Ten without beefing up the pass defense – but if if they run into an elite passing attack in the college football playoff, 
pass defense could use some help. Oh, do you know who you should have been trading away some stuff that I just didn't really consider? If this was if this was real, I mean, had a real deadline thing. You already played Red River. You're not going to make the title game in your league. Oklahoma Oklahoma would be flipping Marvin Mims to somebody for a nice prize. I'd be flipping Dylan Gabriel too. Yeah. Well, so this you might a- miss a bowl though if you do that. Yeah. True. True. Very true. Um, this will get me whatever at some point, but you mentioned that that Ohio state trade, like I, the only team that I think Ohio state needs to worry about its secondary against that's currently on its schedule or could be on its schedules, Tennessee. I think it's fine defensively against pretty much everybody else. Jordan's got one from Twitter. I think Yeah, let's, let's see it, Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you give up hot coffee? All right. Kirk Ferentz for a Keurig. Come on. Do we get the Kirk Ferentz contract? (laughs) Like, do we have to pay him? Like coffee, so. I don't know. Um, Any any other? Let's see. I mean, the Iowa hate just continues. Calvin says, Brian Ferentz and Spencer Petras for Brian Harson and TJ Finley. Do Iowa and Auburn make this trade? Iowa, well, no, that's Kirk's not letting that happen. Brian Harson doesn't come to Christmas dinner. <laughs> I, what about TJ Finley for uh, Petrus? No, again, I don't. Spencer Petrus can make most of the throws he's asked to make. It's the offense that is the problem. It's an awful offense. I tend to agree with Tom there. Um, all right, here's one for you from Twitter that kind of both fans felt was painful. They're both fan bases. Would TCU trade Quentin Johnson, which already we're thinking no, for Drew Sanders, who's leading the nation in sacks and has another year of control, and Bumper Pool? TCU, for context, does need linebacker help a lot, and they need a little bit better pass rush. No. No. I still offense, think no. Yeah. yeah, that offense runs through Johnston, and it's yeah. so stupid when you get to see – his athletic advantage against most Big Twelve second cornerbacks, defensive backs, like it's it's ridiculous. Also, That's- the toughness, man. Like, like he, you look at him, you're like, okay, like tall guy, long strider. The amount of underneath catches he's made in recent weeks that he's held on to and, and just taking shots is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, oh, he's, and- gonna be, he's gonna be a hell of a pro. And the contested mm-hmm. ball, like win rate. I don't know what that is, but it seems <laughs> like it's high. High. Um, in, any others that, uh, that that you want to mention either from Twitter or the chat before we get out of here? Is there a team that should be tanking that, that we haven't thought about or, or should be selling at the deadline? I liked your Iowa State call because th- this truly is like the, the bad luck year where you just you nuke it and you try to s- start over from the beginning. Um, Nebraska would flip Palmer for sure to somebody. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think Penn State should, li- should try to flip Clifford for something. Because I think you could finally just go to a lar because you're not going to win the East now that you just lost to Michigan. Not that you ever really had a realistic shot of doing it, but like you can move Clifford on, and plenty of teams could use a Sean Clifford. He'd be an upgrade at QB for a lot of teams. So I think if I was Penn State, that'd be a move I'd look to make. Yes. Does Wisconsin have anybody? I'm trying to think of the fired coaches. Does Wisconsin have anybody that they could? I mean, Braylon Allen, I guess. I don't think you get rid of Braylon Allen because you've still got him for another season. And, you know, he's the only 18 years old, Chip. I don't know if you've heard that. <laughs> I, 
did you know he should have been in high school last year? It's crazy, but he wasn't. The he was man crazy. should have been celebrating his homecoming right now. <laughs> um, <clears throat> very, very fun. Good idea, bud. Uh, very much enjoyed it. And I, we hope you did as well. If you want to keep them coming, then uh, the, the we can continue the conversation. Maybe in a future mailbag episode, we'll, we'll lay out some of these uh, some of these best scenarios and, co- and continue to discuss them. The trade deadline trade machine has closed for the moment. Uh, but again, thank you for all your suggestions along the way. Tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern time, we will be back with our week eight locks so make sure that you check us out make sure you smash that subscribe smash that like come and join us for the show and you can follow him on twitter at bud elliott three you can follow him at tom Pennelli. follow me at chip underscore patterson gentlemen thank you very much thank you see y'all